Great. Excellent. All right. Have we got the bean bags for the kids? Bean bags, you can bring them right in the front if you want to, kids. Everyone else, you don't get a bean bag, I'm sorry. But you've got a chair. That's actually, I, I didn't, like, when that was, that, when that song was about to come on, um, uh, the, the girls were telling me uh, that there was a really cool song chosen for today. And I didn't know what it was. So uh, Miley said to me, you're going to like the song today. And she gave me my streamer. I always wear my red socks because she made me a red streamer to match. Think about what the kids just sang. How many of you as parents, whether your kids are among these ones here, whether you are currently carrying your child with you, or whether your kids have grown up, that's what you want for them. Sorry, I don't think there's enough enthusiasm around that. Like uh, our, our daughter Courtney and her husband, our son Josiah and his wife, who just happens to be visiting from Dunedin, feel free to prophesy North Island prophecies over them. Our son Isaac, our unborn grandchild, that they would give God all their worship, that you alone... Just what you want to hear, it's what you want to hear from your kids, from your grandkids. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of all my praise. I don't want them praising the crap. Sorry, can I say I can say crap? Crap toss. The crap toss that the world has to offer, but that they would love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. You comfy there, bud? That's the best seat, man. Okay. So uh I would like to, um, in advance, thank Simon. How many of you, as I've been doing a bit of preaching lately, you've been appreciating a little bit of stuff appearing on the screen behind me? I have no skills in that regard. It's all Simon, and so he's helped me again today. So we're beginning this month with uh, Testimonies of Fire. Oh, we're having a little bit of a meltdown at the back there. It's kind of part of the family vibe, though, isn't it? You know, so don't get worried on my behalf about that. We pray peace over every person in Jesus' name. Weird thing happened this morning. Uh, in our men's group, we've been doing a study on spiritual gifts, and one of the spiritual gifts is the interpretation of tongues. How many of you have noticed the interpretation of tongues is really not a very commonly exercised spiritual gift? In fact, we were talking about it in the men's group, going, hardly ever see that. In fact, I could only think of one occasion where I'd seen it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, anyway, I got it this morning. It was the weirdest thing. I was just standing next to David, and he was speaking in tongues. And while he spoke in tongues, I heard it, not in English, but I, I just heard him speaking in tongues, but I knew what it was about. Do not despise the uh, day of small beginnings. Don't underestimate what God is doing in our city and amongst us. And we're going to hear some testimonies today. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to share a couple of things about why testimonies. Because some of you, you heard the three-part thing I did last month, and you said, when's part four on fire, on the fire falling? Uh, well, it's not appropriate for us to do part four on the fire falling, because that's entirely up to the Lord. So we did part one about the divine confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. My daddy is bigger than your daddy. It's never us versus them. It's always my daddy is bigger than your daddy. Part two, the arranging of the altar that all the tribes were represented, not just around the altar, 
but in the altar, that every one of us has a part to play and we need to be a part of the altar. And then pouring the water on the altar, pouring worship, pouring that which is of value that we have on the altar. And then the fire fell. This month, we're doing uh, testimonies of fire. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them to Joshua 4. And there's a few little things that are going to go on the screen that uh, very much have the kids in mind today. So kids, keep an eye on the screen as I'm going along. We've got a few things we're going to put up there for you. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. So this is uh, after Israel uh, had, or as, as they're crossing the, uh, the Jordan River into the promised land. And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones. Here's the twelve stones again. Twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the place where you lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the people of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you pick up a stone on his shoulder. So this is not a little stone in your pocket. This is pick up a stone on your shoulder. Pick up a stone on your shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean? Notice that. When the children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the presence of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of God forever. Pick up 12 stones, not from the edge of the river, but right from the middle where no feet had ever walked until God did this miraculous thing. Pick up these stones, and they shall be for you a memorial. A place where you remember. A place where the kids come. And Madison walks up and says, Mum, Dad, what is this pile of stones here? You say, they are a memorial for when God made a way for us to walk where we've never walked. They come from a place that it was impossible to collect a stone from. They are a memorial to the work of God. Now, in our time, we don't tend to pick up rocks and make piles. Although I have some rocks in my office, I seem to have a bit of an anointing for people giving me rocks and stones and sand and all sorts of things. Our memorials are testimonies. They're our stories. So today, whether we speak a testimony like some are going to do, or whether you listen, these Memorials remind us of the power of God, the grace of God, and the faithfulness of God. So these stones, these testimonies, they are memorials, but they are also rocket fuel. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 
Six. Turn it up. Five. Three. Two. One. Zero. And liftoff of Space Shuttle Atlantis on a mission to build, resupply, and to do research on the International Space Station. We're up. Houston now controlling. Atlantis begins its penultimate journey to shore up the International Space Station. Okay, got that? So testimonies are not just about remembering, they are rocket fuel about what will yet come. How many of you have noticed this? How many of you have noticed when someone tells you a story of God doing something, that while they're telling you the story, you can feel the anointing that produced the testimony? How many of you have ever had that experience? When someone's telling you about an encounter with the Lord, you're like, whoa, I can feel God's presence. No? Testimonies are not just about remembering what God has done. Testimonies are about declaring what He will yet do. How many of you share a deep longing to see God move powerfully in our time? I don't think that rocket's getting off the ground. I think that just went... I don't know about you, but I, and you, I mean, you can, you, can, you, can ask, you can ask my wife if I'm ever given to exaggeration. She is not. I have carried in my bones, in my spirit, man, a deep, burning, passionate, fiery longing to see God move in biblical proportions, not just in other places at other times, but in this place at this time. Ken just referred to the next passage. He, Habakkuk 3.2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day and our time make them known. Not just so we can be blessed in this little room here, but that there would be a testimony of God working in the city, that these children would walk in His ways, not just knowing about them, but seeing them, that we would not die with dreams, but with memories. Here's a couple of Bible verses. Psalm 145 verse 10. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. You know the works of God declare praise to God, that when He does something, it declares praise to Him. The work itself praises Him. Psalm 103 verse 22. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. When God touches someone and heals them, it blesses the Lord and it declares His dominion over the thing that was healed. Have you noticed that testimonies carry the anointing? Bobby Connor said to us years ago, if you want miracles, talk about miracles. He said, if you've got one, talk about it till you have two. Even if it takes years, talk about that one miracle until there are two. So testimonies are not just memorials to what God has done. They are rocket fuel for what God will yet do, even today. Amen? Amen. I remind you that about six years ago, a man who had been bedridden with chronic fatigue 
and fibromyalgia. Walked into one of our gatherings up the top up there. Came into a Sunday night, big beanie on, thick sunglasses, even though it was October, the days were long, it was still fully daylight. He came in hunched over with a walking stick and sat in the back. And no one even laid hands on him and during the worship he was completely healed. Completely healed. I've seen him several times. Like he, 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 had, he had not been able to work for 12 years. He got healed. As we were singing. As we were worshiping. He just got, God was just like, right, enough of that. Bang, got healed. And, you know, I was sitting parked out at the mount one day. I've known this man for a long time. He used to be a worship leader in the Red Shed Revival Church out on uh, the road to Tapuki. And I was out there and I saw this very fit, He's a, he's a Māori man. I saw this very fit Māori man striding past me when I was parked at Pilot Bay looking at the boats being launched and retrieved at the boat ramp. That's what you do on the days when you can't go boating. You go and watch people going boating. These are important issues. And as he walked past, I looked and I was like, ah, that's him. And I remembered this, walking in like this. And then I saw him striding past like that. You know what I saw? I saw a man carrying a stone on his shoulder. Last thing for me to say before we have some testimonies, the word overcomers. Revelation 12, 11. They, who? At the time when John saw this, it was a future generation living at the apex, the climax of the age. They overcame him, the devil and all his works, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto the death. Most times when you hear this referred to in church, only two parts are spoken of. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. But there are three parts, and do you notice it's a progression? Watch this. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus on the cross, produces the testimony, and the testimony produces the life that says you are better even than life itself. Why would I withhold my whole life from you even unto laying it down? In the testimony, we are ruined for the ordinary because Jesus is better even than life itself. Now, I've got uh, some people that are coming to help me. And a couple of them are trying not to look me in the eye right now because... Again, uh, these are not people that have been chomping at the bit to share their testimonies. A couple in particular uh, are doing it with a bit of reluctance. But there's great power in hearing these testimonies. You want to hear a couple of, who wants to hear a couple of testimonies? Can I, Patrick, can you, would you come? Can I introduce you? This is, this is Patrick, Patrick Flanagan, Patrick and Ashley. This is, this is Desmond here, and I saw Elena roaming around before, and Jamie and Jude back there. And uh, Patrick, I've known Patrick for a long time. I first met Patrick and Ashley when they were even younger than they are now uh, in Toowoomba. And Patrick has an account of something that God has done in his family, like quite recently. Morning, everybody. Uh, so um, our testimony uh, started about a month ago. Uh, Kristen came over and spent some time with us and felt to really encourage us to step out of our little bubble that we've been sort of 
Hi, baby. You want to come up here? <laughs> it's my daughter. Um, step out of our little bubble that we've been in for quite some time. Uh, I felt like there was just uh, like a stronghold of isolation over our family. And so we chose to step out. We came to church, ended up being an awesome time, get home, and then all four of our children get incredibly sick for about two weeks straight. A lot of backlash. Um, so Kristen comes over again and um, prays for us and encourages us to once again step out and really felt like it was this sort of um, just like this big jaw kind of clenching down on us to keep us in our house, not get out there and go to church. Um, so again, after a month or not, three weeks, we go back to, um, we come back here to church. And um, again, it was an awesome time. And at the end of church, Kristen says, um, if there's any backlash, um, just give me a text when you get home. Just let me know how's, how it goes when you get home. So we get home to uh, find out that the front two rooms and hallway of our house had been turned into a swimming pool. Um, the washing machine had somehow started running and running and then just flooded the entire garage and then flooded the first two rooms and the hallways. Um, so straight away we text Kristen to let him know what's happening. Um, and as my wife was going up to turn off the washing machine, she runs, slips, flips in the air and lands on her arm and can't move it. So we've got four kids all hungry and ready for lunch, a house that's flooding, and my wife who probably broke her arm. So um, Jared and Steve show up to go swimming at our house um, <laughs> and help get all the water out. Um, so that was quite an adventure. It was awesome that they, sh that they turned up. Um, and then as the next hour went by, we realized that Ashley's arm was getting worse and worse. She couldn't move it and it was just kind of hanging limp. So we're like, okay, she needs to go to A&E. So Jared calls Ashley, his wife, and so Ashley and Ashley go to A&E. And then some other friends come over and they're watching the kids while we're trying to get the water out while Ashley's at A&E. And it ends up being this big party that we have at our house. Um, there's about, man, about half a dozen people or more that ended up kind of coming around us and just really supporting us in this crazy time. Um, but before Ashley left, um, Jared and, and I and Steve, we just laid hands on Ashley and, and Jared just felt to pray over her just that there'd be no broken bones because it kind of looked like she had a broken bone. Um, definitely arm was dislocated. It was just sort of hanging, you know, like limp. Um, and uh, that was that. So she goes to A&E and then we've, we get all the water and everything kind of moved out um, as best as we could. And then later that night, Ashley comes back. And we go, so how'd it go? What, what's the verdict? And she goes, oh, well, I, I got to the A&E and the doctor straight away says, oh, your arm's definitely dislocated at the shoulder. It's just hanging limp, but your wrist looks pretty bad. So let's get an extra on your whole arm just to see how it looks before I pop it back in place. So she gets the x-ray. And then um, a few minutes later, the doctor comes back into the room where Ashley's waiting and her mouth is just hanging open and is holding the x-ray and is like, sorry, can I look at your shoulder again? And her arm's literally shifting in front of the doctor's eyes and says on the x-ray, it shows a perfectly set shoulder, but they had just measured her shoulder and it was like, like that, you know, like completely sunken down. So she goes, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. It looks like you're, you're, she's like, the only explanation I have is that your arm is healing itself from the inside out. Because on the outside, it was still tender and kind of swollen, but the inside was completely intact according to the x-ray, right? So she goes, well, here's a sling, you can put it on, but you don't need it, and so she sends her home. Um, 
The crazy part, too, was that the doctor didn't know was that 10 years ago, Ashley had an x-ray on that wrist because she always had pain in her wrist. Turns out she has one of the center bones in her wrist is like 90% worn down. So on the x-ray, it was like a black hole um, where a bone should be. But the doctor mentioned nothing about it um, from the x-ray that we just had a uh, couple weeks ago. So I was like, wow, I think God also healed your wrist. So just out of curiosity, I thought I'd call up a &E like two days later, and I asked, hey, is there a nurse that could go over the um, x-ray? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. So they called back, and the nurse goes, okay, let's look at the notes. All right, so yeah, um, the doctor thought that the shoulder was dislocated, but according to the x-ray, that's fine, so there's no issue there. And then they thought the wrist might have been broken, but it looks fine. And I, so I said, so there's no missing bones, nothing broken? They're like, no, 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 everything's exactly as it should be. So Miracle 2 confirmed. And then the nurse goes, oh, and then, of course, there's the previous fracture. And we're like, like I said, what, a previous fracture? And she goes, yeah, yeah, the, the fr fracture on her clavicle, but obviously from the notes and what we could see, that healed a long time ago. So obviously that's from a previous fracture. That sounds right, right? And I go, yes, but Ashley's never broken her clavicle before. So Miracle 3 confirmed she actually broke her clavicle as well, and God healed that, when, and then the x-ray showed a healed fracture. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Um, but again, like I said, the house was still a mess, still wet. Um, we found out we were going to need to pay $1,000 to get to pay for the company that came to dry out the carpet and all that. And Ashley and I work with um, Youth with a Mission, and so we have like a support base for a salary. So rather than picking up extra hours to make up the money, we have to write a support letter and ask for this need. Um, and uh, it was a, a week ago... We, um, we went to go to the bank to pull up money, put it in for rent as we normally do because we have a U.S. account and so forth. But we checked our Kiwi Bank account. You know, there's like five bucks in there, which is what we knew. We get to the ATM 10 minutes later down the road, take the money, put it in. The receipt spits out, and there's suddenly $1,000 more in our bank account. That was not there 10 minutes earlier. And I was like, well, was this a glitch? Like, what happened? So we get home check the account and there's a name of someone that I know that gave a thousand dollars and I thought wow that's that's awesome like I'm gonna call them and ask you know they must have heard what happened um, so I call this person and they said um, actually I had no idea what happened to your house I this is like it was all news to him he said exactly a month ago which was probably coincidentally the same time that Kristen was encouraging us to come and break out of that bubble God spoke to him and his wife and said I want you to give Patrick and Ashley a thousand dollars and so they were waiting because they were waiting for their funds to come in and so exactly at that time a thousand dollars came in and they put it into our bank account which was the exact need that we needed to take care of the water so so we got a completely healed arm dried up house and no no expenses as all covered um, and then we got to have this awesome community come around us and really push out of that uh, isolation. So yeah, that's our testimony. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Well, there's one more testimony. I was thinking when you said 12 which is probably the, the highlight of all the testimonies, is tomorrow is my 12-year anniversary with my beautiful wife. So that's an awesome testimony. So that, uh, that journey, which is still unfolding, 
was, uh, it started with me seeing a picture of this excellent family, but they were in the jaws of this entity called isolation. I remember I talked about this a few weeks ago. I never saw isolation as, I saw it as an outcome, not as an entity. And I knew that God had to call them out because, not just about coming to church, but because of the call of God that's on them to contribute to what he's doing in our city and in this time. And so, praise God, uh, two weeks ago, there was a disaster in their house, and the Lord used it to punch isolation in the side of the chops. When the family did what families do, they show up when there's a disaster. Mrs. Flanagan would like to say something. What do you reckon? Good morning. I just wanted to add about the whole healing process. Um, as the doctor's looking at the x-ray and um, my bones are being set in place in front of her, she's completely freaking out. And um, mind you, it was a trauma to me, so I wasn't quite in the headspace, the right headspace. But that was the perfect moment. I could just hear the Lord saying, tell her. Tell her about me. Tell her about me. So as my bones are getting reset in front of her, and she's freaking out completely. She goes, I, I don't understand. I've never encountered something like this before. And I said, the only explanation is God. And she's a doctor. She believes in science. And she's just going, I, 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 I said, I know it's hard to believe, but I believe in a God of miracles. I believe in the one and only true God. And so I begin to talk to her about the power and the love of God and who he is. And she's just undone. The nurse comes in. She's hearing me talk about God. She's getting undone. The nurse goes out and tells the three receptionists that had checked me in who saw that my arm was literally hanging down. It was very, very... Um, <laughs> You could definitely tell that it was something was wrong with it. And they're talking about God. And as I'm literally leaving um, the accident, you know, um, care place, you could hear all this murmuring. And I could see amongst the staff, they were pointing at me. And as I was leaving, I looked at them and I said, yes, it's true. I was healed right here in front of the doctor. God healed me. He did it for me and he can do it for you, whether it's your heart whether your mind needs healing, whether it's body, he can do it. And, as, and I told them as I was leaving, I said, I have to go see my husband and children. But I want you to know that as I'm leaving, I'm going to be praying in the car that whichever one of you needs healing, whatever it may be, that the one true God will heal you and meet you where you're at right now. And that's what I said as I was leaving. And as I was leaving, God said, that, that is what I want, is people with open hearts, my children who are willing to say at any time, any place during any disaster, yes, I acknowledge that God is God and he is who he says he is. So it was a really cool time for me too. <laughs> so praise God. All God's works declare his glory. All God's works bless him. All right. So uh, who's ready for another testimony? Now, Mrs. Hardy, are you willing? She's just extricating herself. I know some of you adults are quite liking the idea of having a Zoom around on one of these beanbags too. Can we welcome Ashley as she comes and shares this story with us? 
Um, my story starts probably about six years ago when I, um, so in, in both of my pregnancies actually, um, I was lucky enough to develop a condition where um, my hips and pelvis over-separated. Um, it was a very painful condition that's meant to resolve itself once you have the baby. Um, with Miley, it took me about 18 months to get healed to probably about 50% functionality after that. Um, when I was pregnant with Zeke, at about 38 weeks, so just before I was about to have him, I slipped and the muscles that were already laxed then got torn. Um, so it's safe to say that after that, my journey of healing was very long and painful. Um, about six, six to eight months ago, so about halfway through last year, um, we came out of lockdown and I kind of had been doing a physio for about 18 months and had got a bit of, a bit of leeway and healing of my body. But um, we came out of lockdown and I woke up one morning in excruciating pain and it was pain that didn't leave for about six, six months. Um, so it was pretty much any, any movement that put my pelvis or hips out of alignment caused severe pain. So taking a step caused severe pain. Um, I remember like one of my, my least favourite things to do was drive the car because I would sit in the car and just the movement of moving my foot from the accelerator to the brake was severely painful. Um, so I, I would spend the majority of my days in bed. Um, I would start the day in pain and by the end of the day I'd be in bed. Um, I went on a wait list to see a specialist. So after six months of waiting, I was quite excited and had an anticipation that I was going to get answers. Like there, was, there had to be a reason why I was in such severe pain. Um, so I had some x-rays, went in to see the specialist and he sat down and he says to me, with the pain that you're presenting, it's either one of three things, it's not this one, it's not this one, so therefore it must be this. Then he jumped on good old Google and he said, so this is what you've got. It is a, I think he said, it was, it was an injury related, to, well, that, that is seen in extreme athletes. And I almost laughed at him and said, you do realise I've been in bed for six months. And he says, yes, but surely you were an extreme athlete before you had children. And I'm not an athletic person at all. Um, so he said, well, this is what it is. And let me see what Google says. He Googles. You just need to see a physio. So he, he knew that I'd been seeing an osteo for, for 18 months anyway. And um, so he said, where do you live? I said, Welcome Bay. He Googled a physio in Welcome Bay and said, go and see that person. And that was it. So I walked out of this appointment feeling so deflated that there was nothing really obviously wrong that could be corrected. And I got home to Jared and I just cried and cried and cried and I said this is not fair I can't live my life like this anymore and um, I, I don't I don't know how I got to the point but I just remember saying to Jared God's going to have to do something miraculous because I can't keep doing this anyway at about that time or near that time um, God 
had given me a word. The word that he spoke to me was, I am who I say I am. I will do what I say I'll do, and my word is true. And when he said that to me, I thought I agreed with it. I, I, thought, I thought I knew what that meant. And I was like, yeah, God, that's, that's a great word. I, I believe that. Um, but I, So I heard him say that, and then nearly every interaction I had with people, they were saying the same thing. The word of God is true. God is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he will do. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is cool, God. <laughs> awesome. So a few weeks later, um, we had Kristen come around to our house, and um, we were talking about, well, Jared and Kristen were talking about the end times and about how the world is, is getting dark. You know, there's, there's a lot of darkness and just all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and normally I would kind of just sit. It's not really my forte. It's not really my conversation that I would dive into. But I just, I, 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 I stopped and I said, you know, his, the darkness is getting darker but I'm most excited about that because it means that God's light is going to get brighter. And I believe that we're going to see miraculous things. We're going to see God do wonderful signs, wonders, miracles. And um, Kristen looked at me, and I don't, didn't actually know Kristen very well at this point, but he looked at me, and he had this almost fierceness in his, in his face. And he says to me, God will do that because he said he would. And at the time, I just, I, I literally felt something hit me in right here. And I couldn't, I couldn't even answer him. I just smiled and nodded. I was like, okay. Anyway, the next morning I, I woke up and, and every morning I would pray over my body and ask God to heal my body. But something had shifted in me. And um, I remember saying, God, you are who you say you are. You will do what you say you will do, and your word is true. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I command my body to come into alignment with the word of God. By your stripes, I am healed, and I command my body to come into alignment with the plans and the purpose that you have for my life. And nothing happened. <laughs> but that night, I um, so normally start the day in pain, be in bed by mid-afternoon, and I remember getting to dinner time and thinking, oh, it's not quite so bad this afternoon. The next morning I woke up and it was noticeably less painful. And then it had stayed the same by the end of the day. The morning after that I woke up and had no pain at all. And it never came back. And then the day after that, I woke up in the morning and God says to me, I'm doing something new. And I was like, yeah, I believe you, God. I believe you're doing something new. But he just kept saying it. He's saying, I'm doing something new. And I was like, right, you're trying to get my attention. So I went to the scripture that says, behold, I am doing something new. It springs forth now. Do you not perceive it? And I was a bit perplexed. I was like, I, I, I think I'm sure I perceive it, Lord. You know, you've just done this amazing thing in my life. I, 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 I believe that you are doing something new. But I don't want to miss what you're doing. So I said, so how do I not miss it? And I felt him say to me, what does behold mean? And so the English definition of behold is to see and observe something of remarkable and impressive nature. And I felt the Lord say to me, 
that's your new lens to see and observe the remarkable and the impressive. And so that's the journey that I'm on at the moment that that I want to see and observe what God is doing and, and expect to see miraculous and wonderful things. So that's All God's works declare his glory. I encourage you, we've got one more, but I encourage you as we're going along, if you've got pain or sickness in your body, you just be quietly praying for yourself. Give yourself a quiet shakamahundering while you're hearing these testimonies. Thank you. One more. So we've had Patrick, and then we had Ashley, and then we had Ashley, and now we have Ashley. So uh, the qualification for testimonies today was you either had to be an Ashley or married to one. By the way, uh, uh, I know this has a direct impact for uh, at least one person in the room. There was a word of knowledge that God was releasing healing for fibromyalgia today. So that was, uh, that was given in the prayer meeting this morning. So we're just going to press into that a little bit too. All right. Who's ready for Ashley 3? Okay, Ashley 3. Welcome, Ashley. Again. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was kind of asked to share about a experience, something that's happened within, I guess, like even YWAM context. So that's kind of what I, or yeah, at the base and stuff in times of worship. It's kind of what you asked, right? So I was thinking, and I was like, oh man, where to even begin? Because there's such a, we actually have such a privilege to be and live in an environment where, you know, everyone's, like, we're pursuing the presence of God. And so one thing that um, I thought about this time, during a DTS we were running, and it was a ministry night. So on Wednesday nights we do, like, an extra session where we get to kind of whoever's teaching will do something extra. And so we had about... It was a 50-person school and then 20 staff. So there's 70 of us who gathered in this room. And the speaker basically said, tonight, you know, we're going to go after identity. And we're going to go to the cross and lay down lies that you either believe about yourself or lies that you've been believing about God. And so we all just sat there with like a little piece of paper and we wrote down and just gave time and space for the Lord to come and really reveal um, things to each person. And so like I just remember sitting there and I was like, okay, Lord, like what do you want to do? To be honest, I don't really remember what I wrote. Um, but everyone was sitting and just started writing things. And then we went outside and it's 7 p.m. So we went outside to the cross because we have a cross near... Um, uh, some trees and stuff where we'll sometimes gather. So we go out to this cross and we're all just standing there and we lit a fire because love a good fire. <laughs> if you want to really destroy some things, put it in the fire. <laughs> and so um, we lit a fire and one by one, people began to share the things they had written and just kind of said, different things, whether it's like 
I believe, you know, like I've really been believing that like I'm so unworthy to receive love or um, I like the words don't really, I like barely remember what people said, to be honest, but just one by one, they're standing up and sharing these things from their heart. And, and all I remember is as people would share, they'd go and they'd step aside and then literally the presence of God would fall on these <laughs> students and they were just, and staff, like all just like on the ground and God was there healing and completely meeting these individuals outside next to the, the cross. And it was like, amen. And it was just, I remember standing there and just being in such awe of what God was doing. And I mean, and like deliverance was breaking out. There was, I remember seeing this one, one girl who like had such a hard time speaking and there was so much fear to even speak and like had this idea that her voice wasn't valuable and she was just getting so set free from that idea of what she believed about herself. And then as other girl, I remember watching her and she was, she like, really regretted some of her decisions and there was just this like thing in her heart of like feeling so impure but she was just weeping being like you know you can tell that the love of God was actually healing her her past and what she'd done and they're like just I don't even really have words but it was a moment that stood out to me because I just remember looking and being like wow God's just moving He's just moving and he's healing and he's delivering people and he's going after like these ideas that, you know, different ones have believed about themselves and is actually bringing truth and love. And um, I remember, and I actually was really thinking about this the last week, even like what I brought because I didn't really remember. And for myself, the thing I remember writing down and bringing back was this, this little I'll give a bit vulnerable, but like there was just this idea that like because of my past, there's been a lot of abuse and manipulation in my past and that like my perspective was almost perverted and like my view of things was very twisted. And so the Lord was bringing this up this week of like, that's the thing that I laid down um, that time and I stood up and I just said like, actually like for so long I've believed that my perspective of life is just perverted and I lay it down and I just asked the Lord to come and heal that. And I was just standing this week, I was like, oh my gosh, the, what God has done in my mind and like my perspective of myself has been amazing. I, like I look at the way I used to think and I like don't think the same. I look at like even my perspective of myself and I'm just thinking this, like I'm looking back, I'm like, wow, God, like it's been two years since that night and you have so restored my mind and my perspective of myself. And I was looking back, I'm like, all these people, some of those, like one of the girls is still on staff and she just like has such a beautiful voice and carries so much wisdom. There's another girl who like, and she, the one who um, was really regretting some of her decisions. She just got married last month and like is now jumping into just a beautiful marriage. And I was like, wow, God, you are so faithful to start a work and to bring it to like completion and continue it. And, um, and so I, yeah, I mean, that's like one beautiful night that I've really have almost treasured, even not necessarily fully understanding what was taking place, but watching it unfold and watching just the presence of God really move. And, um, couple things I was thinking about 
with it was the power of, and even as we're kind of talking this morning, the power of just one person to actually step forward and to um, be transparent or to be real, the power of one to even walk in repentance, um, like corporately, it actually makes such a way for God to come and do what he wants to do because it's you know who said it this morning but like if you bring your broken was it in the psalm like if you bring your broken pieces God like shows up to that and I think that's a big takeaway that I've just seen is like when even one person comes and goes wow here I am broken pieces and all um, God delights and is so faithful to come up and bring freedom and restoration and so um yeah, I guess that's my little story. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone got any broken pieces? Anyone, anyone got any broken pieces? Well, I'll tell you my broken pieces. For five years, I've spent five years feeling like I have no anointing on my life and nothing to contribute. You might think that sounds really crazy. I felt inferior and intimidated and overwhelmed by the spiritualness of the people around me. And God has completely set me free from that. So he's a, he's a good God. You know, we had, a lady, uh, we had a lady come in here about six or seven weeks ago. She sat right over there, right around where Danny and Rhonda are. And during the worship, there was a word of knowledge. There's healing in the river. She got healed of two carpal tunnel syndromes and a chronic pain that had been in her legs for 10 years that was making it hard for her to walk. I didn't even know about it. I found out when I was sitting in a cafe with a friend in uh, Mount Monganui, and this lady came and sat beside her. She said, oh my gosh, I visited your church. This is what's happened. Okay. There's healing anointing. There's transforming anointing. There's heart binding up anointing. There's an anointing where Jesus, just like when he fed the 5,000, he picked up the broken pieces. He didn't just leave them lying around. I want to share three brief final thoughts with you. And then um, uh, we're going to pray for you. And then Steve is going to introduce an idea of how we want to begin to gather up testimonies. We want to steward them well. That's why even we're talking about them publicly today because they become a part, they, they become recorded. Even, even they become a part of our, our vocal record in our podcast. May I share three final thoughts with you? You sure about that? You're thinking, hang on a minute, I just need to know how long they are. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? Number one, Ezekiel 37 tells the story of the river of life. This mysterious river that appears right throughout the word of God. And Ezekiel is led out deeper by this mystery man who leads him out from ankle deep to waist deep and so on and so forth. A short time ago, particularly in prayer meetings, many of us were sensing that the river was flowing and we were thrilled about that. But it was ankle deep. We were celebrating this little trickle that was flowing. Remember, we talked about it publicly even in here. We could sometimes even feel it. Yes, there was one time I was actually down on the floor in a prayer meeting doing breaststroke on the floor because I just was wanting to get down low, you know, like I wanted to get as much of me in the river. I didn't care if I looked silly. I just wanted to be in the river. And sometimes you have to sacrifice your 
dignity to get into what God's doing. I'm convinced the Lord has led us deeper now. I actually, every time I feel the river flowing now, it's flowing waist deep. God has led us deeper. That's my first observation. On our journey towards being in a river that's so deep you can't touch the bottom, a river no one can cross, a river made for swimming. My second thing that I want to share with you is um, about two dreams that I had a number of years ago that I have shared with you before, but I want to uh, remind you of these. One of these dreams is subjective and one is objective. Guess who that's for? You're right, eh? Here were the two dreams. The first one is I was in a Hope Center gathering. In my dream, it was the wildest, most anointed, crazy dream meeting that I've ever been in. People were getting healed. People were being delivered of demons. People were giving their hearts to the Lord and becoming born again, wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Addictions were being broken. Fears and phobias were being broken. Every knee that needed to bow was bowing to the name of Jesus. The presence of God was so strong in the dream that I was on the floor weeping and weeping and weeping in the dream. And when I woke up, the presence of God I felt in the dream and the weeping spilled over to when I woke up. And so I got out of bed quietly, not wanting to disturb um, my wife. And I went out into the front room. So the presence of God spilled over into being awake. Then I did what you would probably expect I would do. I began to rationalize the dream because uh, I long for revival. I long for the miraculous. I long for people to becoming followers of Jesus. And so I had a dream about that. It's like someone that wants a boat dreaming about a boat, you know, it's like just as a random example that I would never have used before. <laughs> and so I had this dream and I began to rationalize it, you know, like you have a dream about something you long for, you just rationalize it, it's just your subconscious interacting with your desires, etc., etc. How many of you would do that sort of thing? Of course you would. Then three nights later, or possibly two nights later, Pastor Seth, who's going to be with us next weekend, brace yourselves. Pastor Seth was flying to Los Angeles back in the days when you could do that. And he was flying on Air New Zealand Flight 6. It's the most common flight that I would fly on back in my previous life. And Seth and I used to have a tradition where if I was going somewhere or if he was going somewhere, each of us would call the other person the day before. I would say to him, is there anything I can do for you while you're away and vice versa? We would talk about which seat you're on, which flight are you on, did you get an upgrade, all that sort of stuff. And so I was talking to Pastor Seth and then he went and got on Air New Zealand Flight 6. I stayed up for another hour and a half and went to bed. That night I had a dream that I was at the other end of his flight if any of you have been to the In-N-Out Burger beside Los Angeles International Airport, there is an In-N-Out Burger right there beside the right-hand runway of Los Angeles Airport. Uh, In-N-Out Burger is, uh, is glorious. Uh, it's, owned by, uh, they are, it's owned by believers, and they are the best burgers in the history of burgers. 
Uh, after an In-N-Out burger, you won't idolise other burger joints, which I will not name because I don't want to wind up dissing whatever your favourite burger place is. I was there with my friend Rory. See, Rory and I have a tradition. Whenever I go to America, he picks me up. We go to In-N-Out Burger. We sit outside under the red plastic umbrellas and we watch the planes coming in. The planes are so low that you can see faces in the windows. And so in the dream, we were there and, and we saw Seth's plane coming into land. We saw Air New Zealand 6 coming into land. And we were down there eating our burgers and going, hey, Seth, woohoo, yes, he was coming into land. And then in the dream, the next plane to come into land was a Lufthansa A380 that had the registration number D-AIMC. That is literally the plane that was in my dream. Now, I woke up, my first thought was, how weird is that? My second thought was, what kind of a nerd has a dream about an aeroplane and wakes up remembering the registration number? I did not know that Lufthansa had a registration number D-AIMC. And I woke up and I was like, that's really weird. So I looked up on the internet to see if Lufthansa have a aeroplane registration D-AIMC. Obviously they do. Then this thought went through my head. Where is it? So I looked it up. It was flying towards Los Angeles. I looked up, where is Seth's flight? Seth's flight was still flying. It still had two hours and 40 minutes to fly. And I just remember thinking for the next two hours and 40 minutes, what if, what if that is the next plane that lands on the right-hand runway at Los Angeles International Airport after Seth's flight, Air New Zealand Flight 6. For two hours and about 30 minutes, I was like a cat on a hot tin roof wondering what's going to happen. And I had the flight software on my computer and I saw Air New Zealand Flight 6 come in over Long Beach, come in and turn around up here and around and coming in and it lined up, not the left-hand runway, which is the more common for big planes, it lined up the right-hand runway. And on this flight software, it shows planes with two engines, with two engines on the icon. And then it has planes with four engines, with four engines on the icon. And you can click on them, it'll tell you what flight it is. So Seth's plane came in and turned around like this and lined up to come into land on the right-hand runway past the In-N-Out Burger. And the next icon behind it was a four-engine icon coming in from this side and turning around this way to line up directly behind it. I looked at that, and I was just freaking out, and I clicked on it, and it came up Lufthansa LH457, which is a flight that comes from uh, um, Frankfurt to Los Angeles. It's a daily flight. I clicked on it again. It showed you the plane was an A388 an Airbus A380-800. And you click on it again, and it comes up with the registration number, and it was D-AIMC, just like in the dream. So now I was like, now what do I do? I rang Peter Robertson. <laughs> you have a dream like that, you ring a prophet. So I rang a prophet, and I said, what do I do with this? And Peter, well, this is how he responds. He was like, well, you can imagine that, can't you? It's like, well... He said, and then he said what he always says. He said, I'm not telling you what to do, but I believe God gave you the second dream that you cannot deny 
to make you pay attention to the first dream that you could easily deny. And then he said, the second dream will happen just as the first. Yep, there's the river. Oh, boy. Third, I've, got to, I've just got, Lord, I've just got one more thing to say. Ha! New Zealand ablaze. I, in the late 1990s, many people saw the same picture. A picture of New Zealand fully ablaze from the top of the north all the way to the bottom of the south, fully ablaze with the fire of nationwide awakening. And sparks were being spat out into the nations, lighting fires where they landed. Many of us saw that. Many people saw that. It was like every second person saw it. They saw that. With sparks going out into the nations, lighting fires through the Pacific and Australia and the Americas and Asia. As God moved by His Spirit to redeem the big OE and make it not about people going out and getting drunk and sleeping around and earning British pounds, but going out into the nations carrying the fire of revival. So recently I was in one of our many prayer meetings. We have many prayer meetings and I recommend them to you, especially in this time. And I saw that again. And then it was like the Lord rewound it to the beginning. Small fires were burning in certain places. Those were the places. I didn't, I didn't say to Simon, just anyone. I said, just these are the places. Small fires were burning in certain locations. And then they were spreading out from there like waves. Going like this. And the waves had fire surfers riding them. And the waves would go out from this place and go out from this place. And in certain places, they would hit each other and create this updraft that was somehow Revelation 4.1. And it kept going until the entire nation was engulfed in fire as it was at the beginning. So I saw the initial and then it was like God rewound it and I saw it play through. Again, this word from Peter Robertson. My sense is that God's clock is ticking. It is vital right now that each one of us be positioned to run at full tilt in obedience to Him when the fire falls, and fall it shall. Honestly, I don't care what any other church leader is saying about that right now. The fire of God will fall. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, and it doesn't matter what's going on, what the devil's up to, and, and what kind of crappy thing is attached to this vaccine or that or the other thing. I don't care about any of that. The fire of God will fall. Because in 1922, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied this. Young man, he wasn't saying it to me in 1922. Young man, I feel like envying you. I've had three visions and three only. The first two have come to pass. The third is yet to be fulfilled. Oh, it is amazing. I cannot tell God's secrets, but you will remember what I say. This revival, May of 1922 in the Wellington Town Hall, that we have had is nothing to what God is yet going to do. Those are my observations.
I told you when I got that email from Peter Robertson, I was sitting at the dining table with my wife. And it just popped up and I tried to read it to her. And when I read those last four words, and fall it shall, it nearly blew me off my chair. You heard Ashley's testimony that even just in conversation, you just make a comment, God will do what God says he will do, and it has an impact. You heard the testimony from Patrick that even when disaster strikes, it's a disaster to come home and find your house half underwater that God will still use even that as a big fist punch to the side of the devil's head. Kaboom. I know many of you have got questions about this, that, and the other thing right now. What's a conspiracy theory? What's not? Should I take a vaccine? Should I not take a vaccine? Nothing can come from fear and nothing can come from offense. Everything has to come from love and determination, faith in the Lord Jesus. But what if I take the vaccine and I die? Well, a snake jumped out and bit Paul's arm and they were waiting for him to blow up and die and he just carried on. And even if you die, splat. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, just saying. I wonder, Andrea, would you mind coming and doing what you were doing very nicely there before? So how are you going? Any of you feel the presence of God around you right now? No, just me. That's all right. Can we stand up? If it's appropriate and doesn't give them a fright, give someone alongside you a pat on the back or a hug. If it's someone you're married to, perhaps you can give them a kiss. Please don't just randomly kiss a stranger. will always do what God has said that he will do. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of a man that he would change his mind. God will do what God says he will do. Father, we thank you today for uh, your works declaring your glory, your works blessing your name. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for the testimonies that have been shared and thank you that those testimonies are potent with anointing. We thank you for the word of knowledge that Lord, today you were releasing healing to fibromyalgia and we thank you, Lord, you've done that before. We remind you of you doing it in the gymnasium up there six years ago and we say, Lord, do it again. We thank you, Lord, for testimonies that haven't even been spoken today about financial breakthroughs. We thank you, Lord. Let those multiply in Jesus' name. I wonder, Kathy, would you just lay hands on Amadia, who's right there in front of you? And I, um, where did, did Paul just go out, did he? Actually, David, would you mind going and joining in over there too, since you can take your Lynn with you if you would like to go? Who else has got... Um, you don't have to tell us what it is, but who else has either got uh, some sort of pain or sickness 
or some sort of very sharply felt need of a breakthrough right now, would you put your hand up? Okay, if you're near one of those, go on, turn, pray for them right now. Just turn and pray for them. Turn and pray for them. Hey, Jared, can I point you to my, uh, to my son's knee? Would you go and pray for his knee? Thank you, Lord. All your works praise you. All your works bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you would do things in us and amongst us. But Lord, we're also asking that what happens amongst us would not be contained amongst us, but Lord, it would declare your works, your praise, that it would bless your name far beyond the confines of this little gathering in Jesus' name. There's healing in the river in Jesus' name. There's restoration in the river in Jesus' name. There's the binding up of the broken heart in the river in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that every hindrance to each of these people being able to run at full tilt in obedience to you when the fire falls will be removed in Jesus' name. Every hindrance, every obstacle be removed in the name of Jesus. Financial obstacles, health obstacles, addictions and bondages, fears, wrong ways of thinking, wrong patterns in the name of Jesus. Get us ready to run at full tilt when the fire falls and fall it shall. And fall it shall in Jesus' name. And fall it shall. Thank you, Lord. 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 Bondage is broken. Fears and phobias broken in Jesus' name. Chronic illness, bow your knee to King Jesus in Jesus' name. Healing, restoration, wholeness. Thank you, Lord. You pick up the broken pieces. You use them for your glory, like those 12 basketfuls declaring the miracle of the food being multiplied. Father, we thank you for the stones being a memorial for the children.
Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing and for all that you will yet do. still praying just carry on there in a moment uh, Steve's just going to come and and, um, share a very practical thing with us if you're not being prayed for and not praying can I just have your attention just for a couple of seconds we are going on a quite a specific journey it has to do with what's God with what God wants to do well beyond just our fellowship and it's not saying that we're anything more or less important than other fellowships we're praying for all the fellowships but it's that we would play our part the fire of God will fall in our nation before the end of the age there will be an awakening in New Zealand that prophecy from Smith Wigglesworth is still alive in the land beneath our feet can I encourage you and uh urge you, make sure you're here uh, next week make sure you come to this gathering next week Annette's going to share a very powerful testimony of something that happened in her life and then Pastor Seth is going to be here and he's going to share a testimony of the fire of revival erupting in Wellington can I also encourage you to consider the prayer meetings, we have three of them a week we have Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, Tuesday and Thursday at 7 if you want any information about that, you can see uh, Steve or Annette back over there at the info desk. And also make sure that you are signed up for the email newsletter and get on that uh, Facebook community notice board that we have. All right? All right, God bless you. Steve, are you free? Steve's going to share something with us and then we will go forth. Well, I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing testimonies today. Hearing what the Lord is up to and what He's done and what He continues to do. And I love it. I love being in this place that is going to share and celebrate and rejoice with each one of us about what the Lord is up to and what He's doing. So with that in mind, I don't know, we had this, I don't know, thought process while I was in my office one day that we actually need a way of hearing these testimonies. We need a way of actually gathering them together. And I know we've created, well, actually Simon, he's quite good at creating things for us at the moment. Simon has created a, um, a form for us to fill in, which was actually in the latest newsletter. It will go online. He's even got it up there already. He's, he's switched on. But the um, I know the form seems like a pretty pretty formal place to be sharing a testimony 
But we do need a place where we can actually gather information. Strangely enough, you can actually do it anonymously if you so wish. But I feel like we need to be sharing them and talking about them on a regular basis. And to do that, we need to actually be able to gain access to them. So um, can I encourage you to actually start filling in these forms so that we can gather them together. Now the plan out the other side, just so you know what we intend on doing with them, is in the newsletter that we comes out every month, the title of this may change, but at the moment in my head, I've got a God brag box. And I wanna have all these testimonies gathered together, even on our newsletter on a monthly basis, where God gets the glory about what is happening in our community. So we want to do it in the newsletter. I've already spoken to our wonderful website designer, who is Courtney Murphy. She's already started the process of creating an area on our website, which we can update as these testimonies come in. And the other one, which again is going to involve Simon down the back, is we're going to create a revolving screen on Sundays where testimony after testimony, just very briefly, gets put up so we again get to see the faithfulness and the fact that He's not dead, He's alive, and He is moving in today like He has throughout history. So we want to champion these testimonies, we want to celebrate them, we want to talk about them, because by talking about them, as you've discovered today, it does release an anointing for more of them. And we want to see a river of healing throughout our city. So that's me. That's the idea that we've got in the background. Please participate, share your stories of what's going on. And we look forward to celebrating together. So God bless you. Have a great day out on this beautiful sunny winter's day. Be blessed this week. We'll see you next week.